Our lesson this morning comes from the 10th chapter of the book of Acts. Hear these words. In Caesarea, there was a man named Cornelius, a centurion of the Italian cohort, as it was called. He was a devout man who feared God with all his household. He gave alms generously to the people and prayed constantly to God. One afternoon about three o'clock, he had a vision in which he clearly saw an angel of God coming in and saying to him, Cornelius? He stared at him in terror and said, What is it, Lord? He answered, Your prayers and your alms have ascended as a memorial before God. Now send men to Joppa for a certain Simon who is called Peter. He is lodging with Simon a tanner whose house is by the seaside. When the angel who spoke to him had left, he called two of his slaves and a devout soldier from the ranks of those who served him. And after telling them everything, he sent them to Joppa. Friends, this is the Word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Amen. Yeah, I went on vacation. It was a glorious time. We were in Fort Morgan, Alabama. Some of you are going, where? Where's Fort Morgan? You know Orange Beach and Gulf Shores. Fort Morgan is, you get to the end and you turn right. As late as 10 years ago, you couldn't go to Fort Morgan because there was nothing there. The world ended at the Kiva Dunes Golf Course. And I know that because I lost a lot of golf balls on the Kiva Dunes Golf Course. But there we were in Fort Morgan. It was wonderful. I didn't get a sunburn. I went to the beach only between 5 a.m. and 6 a.m. I took pictures, and that's about it. Because sand is the curse of Almighty God. Sand will get places and will proceed to follow you in your room that no matter how clean you are, everything's gritty. It was a great time. Everybody in the world was there. We exited the interstate at Bucky's. It was crowded, and the crowd just followed us on down. The traffic jam moving at 30 miles an hour to the beach. And some of you go to Gulf Shores, Orange Beach, And some of you know where Fort Morgan is. One of the first pictures taken of me was taken in June of 1960 in a place called Gulf Shores, Alabama. And there's nothing there. There was the beach. The dunes were there. But nothing else was there. No condominiums, no houses on stilts, only a seedy hotel. No, it wasn't even a hotel, it was a motel. Yeah, a motel. How the world has changed in that place. You and I are a product of the places that we have been and the things that have happened to us in those places where we were born, where we were raised, where we went to school where we work, where we live, the places in our lives have impacted us and transformed us. We're a product of place. The Greek word for place is topos. 
Now I'm going to give you a Hebrew lesson. There will be a test at the end of the sermon to see if we're going to the benediction. If you don't get it right, we're staying here until you remember it. The Hebrew word for place is Macomb. Macomb, Mississippi is a place. You got it? Macomb. The Greek word topos and the Hebrew word Macomb mean place, but they also mean opportunity, the occasion for acting. Hmm. Jesus said, I go and prepare a place for you. And we think, oh, it's so nice. He's building a place for us in heaven. But Jesus also behind those words is saying, I go to prepare an opportunity for you. What's the opportunity? You've been forgiven of your sins. You've been set free from the power of death. You are a child of God. Go and live as such. I give you the opportunity to serve me in the world, to reclaim your heritage. And the Old Testament's got places, Mount Sinai. We know what that place is about. It's where the commandments came, but it's an opportunity and occasion to serve. We know what Kadesh Barnea is. That's where the Hebrew says, uh-uh, we're not believing in God unless, you know, you prove yourself God. We know what Jericho's all about. Walls fell down there. We know about Jerusalem and a place called Calvary. There are places, historic places, but they are places that gave folks an opportunity or an occasion to serve. So when Jesus said, you shall be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, in the ends of the earth, Jesus is not giving a travel itinerary. He's telling his people that you're going to have the occasion to serve me. You're going to have opportunities in all these places to be my people, to live for me. The other thing going on in the places that we were raised in and the places that are a part of our lives is there are people involved in those places. Mentors and teachers and people we looked up to that have shared the journey with us. So Luke in the book of Acts is talking about places, but he's also talking about people because what's going on in this part of the book of Acts is the wall is starting to crumble. The wall around Judaism is starting to fall and the church is about to break loose and become its own movement. And it started back with the martyrdom of Stephen. It continued last week as, as you read about heard about Philip and the Ethiopian eunuch, and now the walls are just going to completely fall down with Cornelius. Who is what? He's in Caesarea, a place. And where's Peter? He's in Joppa, a place. And there's a reason Luke gives us these two specific places. So, Cornelius has a vision. The angel comes to him and says, Cornelius, you're, you're, you're doing good, man. You pray to God. You're close to God. You're giving alms to God. Obviously, Cornelius, you're not a Jew, but you know that you should love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and your neighbor as yourself. And because you're giving alms and you're, do, you're praying, God's answered your prayer. And he's going to send this fella named Peter after you fetch him to come talk to you. Meanwhile, a day later, Peter, and I love this about Simon Peter, Peter 
It's noontime and he's hungry. So he goes up on the roof. Don't know what he's doing on the roof. He's going to rest on the roof until lunch is cooked. And Peter, it says he went into a trance, but we know this about Simon Peter. He loved to do funny things at inopportune times, like he maybe fell asleep, but the Bible called it a trance. And he has this vision of a tablecloth coming out of heaven, and I always picture it as a picnic tablecloth coming out of heaven, and all these animals are on it. Animals with four hooves, reptiles, birds, I can imagine fish, and it's coming down, and the voice from heaven says, Peter, kill and eat. And Simon Peter says, not going to do it. I'm a good Jewish boy. I'm going to keep all the sacrificial laws. I'm going to lead a pure Jewish life. But there's a hint in the text. Where's Peter staying? He's staying with Simon the Tanner, and Jews wouldn't do that because tanners were considered unclean people because they were always dealing with animal carcasses. So, Peter, we caught you, buddy. I'm not going to eat the pork chops. Not going to eat the catfish. Not going to eat the shrimp. Cajuns would have a hard time being kosher Jews. Just not going to happen for them. And the voice says, what God has made clean, don't you make profane. Three times, Peter has the same vision. When he wakes up, he's greatly puzzled by his vision, but the guys from Cornelius are right there, and they said, look, Cornelius wants to talk to you. Can you come on down to Caesarea? So Peter grabs some believers, and they go on down to Caesarea. Meanwhile, Cornelius, expecting them, has called together his relatives and close friends. Do you know how radical these scriptures are? Oh, we read them and go, oh, that's nice. We have Caesarea, and we have Joppa, and we have, we have Cornelius, the uh, Roman centurion, and we have Simon Peter having a weird dream. This doesn't sound very radical, but what Cornelius has just done is started a house church. How do you do that? Well, you invite your relatives or you invite your friends or you invite them both and you say, look, in a spirit of expectation, something's going to happen. So Cornelius, in starting the first house church, has started a place of expectation. We expect you to be there and we expect God to do something in our midst. He's also created a space and a place where these people can be encouraged in the Lord, where they can come to know more deeply what they have probably already been practicing. A house church. That's where the church began. It didn't begin in worship spaces or sanctuaries or cathedrals. It didn't even begin in the catacombs. It started around people's tables or in their living rooms. It started where one or two or three or four or five people came together for prayer, for encouragement, to learn, to learn about Jesus, as we're going to find out. And sometimes I wonder if what we're being called back to is 
the New Testament and how Wesley began things, called back to meeting in our living rooms and meeting in small groups to encourage each other, to pray for each other, to hear each other, to ask questions. They were, create, were called to create a place that is safe, a place where faith can be expressed, where doubt can be expressed, where people are asked, how is it with your soul, where they are encouraged in prayer and they're encouraged by their friends who keep up with them. Cornelius, you radical, you radical Roman, how dare you start a church without a preacher? But that's what he did. How'd he do it? He invited his friends and his relatives. Actually, he says invited his relatives and close friends. Peter comes and he looks around and found that many had assembled. Obviously, Cornelius either had a big family or a lot of friends or both. And Peter is so blown away by this, he gets totally off script. And here's what he says as he preaches. Peter began to speak to them. I truly understand that God shows no partiality. Peter has just redefined chosen people. God shows no partiality, but in every nation, anyone who fears him and does what is right is acceptable to him. Oh, wait a minute. It can't say that, can it? It's got to say something about confessing our sins, repenting of our sins, coming down for the altar call, getting saved, getting baptized, getting redeemed. It's surely got, it doesn't. But in every nation, anyone who fears him and does what is right is what? Acceptable to him. Why is that true? Because if you're trying to do the right thing, if you have this holy awe in your soul about God, the door is open. And God can walk in that door. And God can transform a heart and a life. And he said, you know the message he sent to the people of Israel, preaching peace by Jesus Christ. He is Lord of all. Peter has just said to Cornelius and to all the Gentiles, you've got a place in the kingdom of God. You've got a place at the table of the Lord. You've got a place among the people of God. You belong. You belong. You do. No matter what you've done, you belong. No matter what places you've been to, you belong. The walls were kicked down. There are no doors. There are no windows. Christ has opened the church to all people. They all belong. They have a place at the table. Will Williman, in commenting on Peter's speech, says this, this is the way it sometimes is in the church. If Jesus Christ is Lord, then the church has the adventurous task of penetrating new areas of his lordship. You know, we, we really don't believe what I just said, that everybody belongs, because we have our lists. Uh-huh. They did this. Don't belong. They're doing this, don't belong. They grew up this way, 
don't belong. And it's not a list we talk about, and it's not a list we'll admit to. It's a list we carry deep in our being, but we've all got it. And Simon Peter is saying to Cornelius and Cornelius' close friends and his relatives, God has opened the table to you. And he's saying to us at Trinity, God has opened the table to everybody. His love and his grace is big enough to offer acceptance and forgiveness to all. That's messy. That's just messy. We want clear rules. We want clear expectations because we want to know we're living up to the expectations. And Jesus said, whosoever will, let them come. Come unto me, all you who are laboring and are heavy laden, and I'll give you rest. His arms are spread wide on the cross. There is no language that says you are forbidden or you can't come. He has created a place at the table for all of us. And that place at the table creates surprises. Peter's still preaching and he's already told him, God forgives you. And while Peter was still preaching the sermon, the Holy Spirit fell upon all who heard the word. The circumcised believers who had come with Peter were astonished that the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out even on the Gentiles, for they heard them speaking in tongues and extolling God. This will just mess up a lot of your theology because the Holy Spirit is given before these people are baptized believers. Look out now. Sometimes God just does it backwards because it glorifies him. Sometimes God does it backwards because that's the way he wants it done. Sometimes God does it backwards to say to us in the church, church, you just need to calm down and be loving and forgiving. Just be loving and forgiving. What did Jesus do? He loved. He forgave. Do you think he kept lists? Yes, he kept lists. Do you know what his lists were? List of things that religious people did, not the sinner's. It's messy, isn't it? The walls have tumbled down. Maybe we should build some walls back up. But as we're going to find out in the weeks to come, the walls are down on purpose because God is creating a new people. Caesarea, Joppa, and I'm going to introduce a third one that'll be the what we're going to talk about next Sunday, and that's Antioch. And Antioch is just a little bit north of Joppa and Caesarea. And the reason I'm bringing this up is because Jesus, in anticipation of what the Holy Spirit was going to do in the early church, told two stories that are recorded in the Gospel of Matthew. The first one is a sower went out to sow, and he's sowing seeds, and the seeds, some of it falls on the path, and the birds come and get the seeds off the path. Some of the seeds fall on rocky soil, and they shoot up quickly because there's no depth of soil. The sun beats down on them in August in Louisiana, and the, the, the plant just withers and dies. Some seed, some seed falls among the thorns and gets choked, and then some seed falls on the good ground and grows up and produces all this fruit. And then in the same chapter of Matthew's gospel, Jesus tells another story about planting. He said, a farmer planted this field of wheat. 
And his servants came back and reported to him that while he had planted a field of wheat, the enemy had come in and planted darnel in the wheat. Darnel actually looks like wheat until the, the grain comes on it. And the problem with darnel is the, the, the roots intertwine with each other. If you pull up a darnel weed, you pull up the wheat with it. So Jesus has talked about sowing seeds and, and the plants growing, and then he turns back around and he says to the church at Antioch, because the Gospel of Matthew is written in Antioch, and the Gospel of Matthew is written in a community where Roman soldiers and Roman citizens are trying to get along with Jewish believers, and that's why Matthew records some of the things he does. Antioch, Antioch where... Followers of Jesus are first called Christians. Antioch, which is north of Caesarea and Joppa. And Jesus said, look, in the church you're going to have saints and sinners growing up together. Or sometimes in the church you're going to have saints growing up and the sinners are just doing whatever sinners do. Jesus is telling the church in Antioch, and us, don't worry about that. The church wasn't called to be a perfect, pure entity. The church was called to be faithful to Jesus Christ. And how do we do that? We surround each other with love and care and support. We ask each other, how is it with your soul? We pray for each other. We encourage each other. We hold each other accountable. John Wesley caught on to that at the beginning of his movement in 18th century England. They didn't have support groups. They didn't have small groups. You had to work your stuff out pretty much by yourself until Wesley caught on and says, you know, I need to get these people and they need to meet together in threes and fours to pray for each other and encourage each other, hold each other accountable. And those groups grew and they became what Wesley called classes. We call it house fellowship. So on September the 9th, Brian Yike, who's a seminary professor, is going to lead a workshop on starting a house church. How do you do that? We have some people in the church who've done that. We're probably going to have them get up and say what they did. How do you start a band? We've got some people in the church who've started bands. We may have them talk about that. Why do we need to do that? Because we need to grow in our faith. Worship is holy. Worship is the only thing the church does that is not replicated out in culture. But sometimes we need to have meetings on Monday or Tuesday or Wednesday or Thursday or Friday or Saturday that hold us accountable for what we sing and hear and do in worship. We need to have friends we can call that can encourage us when our faith is about to crash on the rocks of doubt. We need each other. So the walls came tumbling down. And the church is open to everyone. And as we keep going through this journey through the book of Acts, it's a blessing that the church is open to everyone. But it also causes a moment or two of questions and chaos. 
May it be so with us. May we wonder why God did what He did when He did it. And may our hope and our faith be such that no matter what God is doing, we realize that He's making a place for us. He's making a place for us at His table. He's making a place for others to find Jesus Christ through us. May lives be transformed and may the Spirit of God fill this place we call Trinity. Would you stand and pray with me? Oh God, work among us. Work among us in ways that we see and understand. Work among us in ways that we will not get. But work among us so that others might come to know your love and grace. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Trinity Podcast. To find out more about Trinity, visit us online at www.trinityreston.org.